So, this episode is not to... The purpose is not for me to brag about having reached the 50 episode mark. I... When I was starting this... (laughs) From my perspective, it's not as if my goal was to hit 50 episodes at least not for the majority of the history of the show like my goal was mainly to hit the next episode because it was so episode 50 this is not episode 50 i'm just naming the titles now episode 50 in which we enter a mind-bending discussion about god the chicken egg problem of emotional health and social media and having parents as subscribers. Part two of two with Norbanu. A psychology professor, she was saying how the research about social media use or digital media use, the connections that people talk about that they're connected to anxiety, depression, mental health issues. She was saying that the associations and the effects are not large enough for us to say that those things are true. And that correlation is not causation. She was saying it could be that the people who use social media a lot and feel anxious or depressed when they do, it could be that they already were anxious and depressed and they sought out social media as a refuge from that depression. It's not necessarily that they started on Instagram and then left upset. Like they could have already been upset and then opened Instagram to like relieve that feeling of being upset. It masks the real issue, right? Anxiety. They didn't start with the social media age. The problems are deeper than just... Episode 49. It's not just a sandwich. Focusing on stand-up comedy in your application (laughs) essay. Philosophy over civil engineering and being rejected from 25, I forgot one, 26 PhD programs with Noor Banu Simsek. The majority of information about this is not usually, oh, the the lack of success, right? So what inspired you to want to share this with people? Hi, everybody, and welcome back to my channel. I just want to start by saying that it's really not easy being a YouTube celebrity and having 24 subscribers can really get to your head. Um, so I'm trying really hard to be humble. And I've done that by getting rejected from... 25 of the schools that I applied to for getting a PhD in the philosophy. Yay! For those of you who are wondering, and I've been getting a lot of these messages, thank you guys so much. Uh, where have you been for the last seven months? People ask my fans. I've been busy in the last seven months um, applying to uh, PhD programs in philosophy. And then, for the later of those seven months, getting rejected from them. Don't be deceived. By how nonchalant I sound. 48. Doing what they tell you not to do during study abroad. Talking to Celine about secularism, success, and compassion. Yeah, so I did exactly what they told me not to do in my study abroad program. I accepted a marriage proposal from a local. And uh, it ended up being you know one of the best decisions of my life and I'm you know very 
happy to have found someone early in life um, that you know we've managed to kind of shape our lives together. And he was a professional athlete when I met him, and he's did a bit of university coaching now here in the U.S. and coached at, at actually at Princeton when I was still attending, and then at Harvard when I was attending grad school, and is um, is now he's still working at at, at Harvard and um, just. A really unexpected life turn. My mother jokes that people go abroad and come back with souvenirs and stories, and I came back with a husband. And at that point, I had I had been uh, in Egypt long enough to uh, also then we started a family, and so I had a daughter as well. By the time that I came back to the U.S., uh, you know, number um, about a year and a half later. Forty-seven Hercules, Sisyphus, and other myths. One of X, the myth of work, or work, or to put it somewhat snobbily, the meritocracy. Another myth is that Hercules, you know, we know in the story he's like regarded regarded as this superhuman figure, remarkable, incredible figure, like capable of Herculean tasks, right? That's also an adjective in the English dictionary or any... Uh, Western dictionary. I don't know if the East, if Eastern cultures use Hercules and Sisyphus or have like a Hercules in their culture, right? Um, and so like he's regarded as this remarkable superhuman figure, and I feel that. Part of one of the lies, or maybe a lie in, its, in of itself, that some of us may have heard, right? That especially people in marginalized communities, <laughs> that you have to be remarkable, you have to be incredible and profound and amazing in whatever field, whatever thing, even hobby, not even not even field of study or <laughs> career, just a t- hobby, fun thing, side side thing, side hustle that you're doing. Um, or, or like, or, and there's no, or, there's nothing after the, or it's just that. Right. Um, and I, and I want to push back on that because it's toxic, right. As a human of color or not, you have intrinsic value regardless of what you're able to accomplish. Um, and I hope we all know and understand that just because you put a tremendous amount of effort into something doesn't mean that you will see the fruits of that effort when you're alive. Doesn't mean that they will definitely manifest, like, come on, <laughs> um, et cetera, et cetera, right? So it even plays into like a myth that I want to get into maybe the 46 from civil law to the Supreme Court talking to AC about her application essays, sellouts, and Santa Barbara. Even though you've taken a couple of steps back, you still strongly identify with the needs of your community, right? Because some people, they take those steps back when they go to like Princeton or Harvard and then completely forsake their community. And it's like, oh, who are you guys? I mean, it's easy. It's easy to do that because, you know, and especially, you know, when you're a big law attorney and you're making $200,000 a year, 
it's easy to just take your paycheck and be like, you know, okay, great. You know, I'm going to go, I'm going to go to Santa Barbara for the weekend, you know, bye. I'm going to go to, I'm going to go to, you know, all these great, wonderful places and kind of forget that like, wait a second, they're actual, like, why did I go to law school again? Like, okay. Yeah. To like, fix some of these like larger issues in communities that I come from. So, you know, it's definitely easy to sort of lose sight of why you went, why, you know, I went to law school and why, you know, I'm sure a lot of people go to law school. You just kind of have to remind yourself of why you went there and, and what your future goals are. 45 from comfort zones to California, talking to AC about college fees, Mexico and unconsummate power or, you know, immigration, or, you know, just all of these, I think they are just confronted with the law all the time. Just the, the nature of these communities, you know, being built, built up, you know, by immigrants and lower income, and, you know, people of color. Yeah, you know, they're just these issues, unfortunately, that these communities very often have to deal with. And so that was my experience growing up, you know, I had friends and family members who, you know, went through, had to, had to go through this, you know, sort of justice system and friends and family members who, you know, were in deportation proceedings. And so I hated feeling like I was powerless um, because, you know, I saw all this happening to my friends uh, and my family and I just hated that I couldn't help. Um, And so, you know, going, you know, I sometimes had to go to court, you know, on behalf of like a family member to, you know, like, you know, I don't know if it was testifying for the judge. I don't even remember. I was pretty young, but, you know, talking to the judge and like talking to these lawyers and it was just like, wow, who are these people that just have all of this power to decide what happens, you know, to my uncle or to my friend? They have all this power to decide whether this person gets you know, a sentence in in jail, or they get probation. Um, And so that was fascinating to me. And I wanted some of that power. Um, And so, uh, you know, I think that's what really prompted me to want to go to law school, just so you know, I could help people uh, and, and not, and, you know, not feel powerless myself, because, you know, and if, and if there's anything that I've learned, you know, in the legal profession, there's, yeah, it's so power is concentrated in in certain, you know, areas like, you know, the courts, like judges have so much power, so, you know, that's so much power. 44. She Roars, a mostly female panel about mindfulness in a pressure cooker and heartbreak in education. Okay. And just record, right, in the room that I was in. And, you know, looking back, I'm just wondering like why I had no like shyness about this because like some of the rooms I was in really all of them, maybe except one, I'm pretty sure all of them. I'm the only like hijabi. So it's like kind of people are staring at me already anyway, but I, you know, Princeton is not like, um, I mean, from what I've experienced weird about visibly Muslim people, like they're fine. I mean, there was one woman staring at me a lot <laughs> um, in one of the talks. And I'm just like, yeah, I know what's on my head. Like, but she wasn't staring like in a mean way. She just was like, oh, I didn't know. 
like it's so good like that you are here like that's kind of what her face was kind of saying like wow you know how unexpected but like kind of refreshing kind of that's like the look that's what I was reading um could have read that completely wrong you know (laughs) um but yeah so basically this episode right that this recording um is on will be will have will why are you going to Germany and she had done her research and she wants to go to two one of two universities in Germany that do it best and so she's gonna learn German and I thought to myself she doesn't care about the US News and World Report she's got purpose where she goes to school is one of a thousand decisions that this young woman and many others like her will make on a, on the way to a, a much bigger end that it does not require. What is an amazing face? This is an amazing face. It's really man. It's not. It doesn't. Happiness is not really happiness and success. This is, this is not a golden ticket for for all good things. I also, when I say that, I'm a white woman saying that, and I also realize that it is a potential blind spot because... 43. Human capital, materialism, and professional tweeting. Talking about meritocracy, privilege, and fame with Anna Gifty. That's a great question. Here's my hot take. (laughs) If you are worried about your space becoming diverse. That means that you know in your heart that once they bring in that diverse talent, you don't measure up. One of my friends that I actually met on Twitter, her name is Astronaya. She said that there was a white man who came up to her and said, you know, the reason why you're here is because we need more black women and kind of left it at that. And I went on a tangent. I had I had to go off on Twitter and talk about it. <laughs> And I said, listen, this white man understands two things. One, he understands that not only is Naya qualified to do what she is doing, but she also brings a completely new perspective to the room, to the table, that can probably overshadow whatever he thought was good. So I think there is a self-awareness in addressing, like when people say, you only got in because you're black. Or you only got in because of fill in the blank. What they're acknowledging that you not you're not seeing because you're kind of you know trying to dismiss what they just said is that they're deficient in their own way. They know that part of their identity is why they're here today. So at the behest of Skype, I have to interrupt this broadcast every fifteen minutes at fifteen minute intervals to remind you that the software used for this conversation is brought to you by Skype. Uh, I should also mention that Skivio seeks to undermine the status quo and render the pursuit of higher ed equitable for all. Or at least it once did.
how do you discover that about which you're passionate? And can you have co-passions? Is that really possible? Maybe it is because you can have more than one passion that you're pursuing or, or would like to pursue. And the reason there's that multiplicity, that plurality, is because each of those passions reflects the same underlying affinity that you have towards something. Um, so this interruption became a bit more stream of consciousness. Um, initially it started out as the fulfillment <laughs> of a, of a legal technically order. Then it changed to, well, I should plug Skivio if I have to plug Skype. And then it evolved into this deeper, almost existential, if not directly existential question about how does one decide what to pursue? Which honestly, this is coming full circle because is that not the purpose of Scivio Radio, right? I've interviewed people from a range of backgrounds and you find that I consistently ask about whether the path they're currently on was one they imagined they would embark upon, right? If this path that they're on now, is it something that they knew from a young age, from earlier in life, from whatever point, whatever previous point that they we're being called to, right? <laughs> if we're going to invoke a sense of destiny. Or is it really just the reflection of their wanting to change, right? There's nothing deeper. It wasn't um, from a historical or, or childhood, you know, fantasy about what, what I want to be, you know, before I'm 30. Because apparently uh, there's a deadline that's, that's quite ageist, right? You know? Uh, how many authors and writers only wrote their first book, you know, at, when they were 50 or 60, in their 50s, in their 60s, right? How many great things were accomplished by humankind from people who were in middle age or older? So I honestly don't know where this deadline comes from. Thank you for sticking with me through yet another digression and I return you back to my programming and this conversation. And follow Skivio on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, Facebook, Skivio isn't active, so you can follow us there as well. But um, there, it would only be a show of support. <laughs> it wouldn't be to receive any information um, or content or resources because I'm very big on that. They know that part of their identity is what has gotten them to this level. And so they're afraid that you're going to threaten that part of their identity that helped them get to where they are. They're afraid that by allowing you in the room, that's somehow going to dim their shine. 
And if that's going to dim their shine, then they probably had no shine to begin with, quite frankly. Right? A person who understands their worth is not threatened by another person who enters the room. That's just a fact. Well, that was good. I got chills. No, that was so good. I feel like I'm going to even You know what I'm saying? Yeah, honestly, I feel like I'm going to make a sound bite out of just that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because like... 42, allergic to math, not allergic to money. Talking to Anna Gifty about that loaded catchphrase, diversity. Powerful friends in economics. Bullying and going to Harvard. Yourself up by your bootstraps and get on with your... It has such a profound... Like, that's Mm -hmm. such a lie. It has such a profound impact. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So, I I guess... I agree on that. (laughs) Um, I guess another question I want to ask. Yeah. So in the field of economics, right, we were saying how, you know, it's not because of math that minority black students aren't, you know, pursuing economics. So I guess my question to you is, how do we as a society, how can we picture like, what do you think the tangible, vivid effects of not having increased representation in the field of economics? Can you paint a picture of what that would look like? So painting a picture of how it looked like if we didn't have underrepresented minorities in the field of economics. Right. Correct? Yes. What you see now. (laughs) (laughs) No, I'm so serious. (laughs) I mean, you have the minority, you have minorities in there, but they're few and far between. They really are. And when you hear what they had to go through, a lot of them either on the microaggression level or on the very explicit racist level, child. (laughs) I can only imagine a field like economics has to be diverse. Not to say that no other field doesn't have to be diverse, but a field like economics where the impact can be felt immediately through the the data that is produced, through the policies that are enacted because of the reports or the data that is given to policymakers. 41, from online anonymity to book tours in Barnes & Noble, talking to author Aram Ibrahim about writing, publishing, and being vulnerable. So I would say a good chunk of attention came after I published the book and I think about that, but then I'm like, you know, it really doesn't matter to me because I feel like more, more than, more than the following or the likes or the, even the sales of the book is just the fact that for me, it's like, I, I'm, I'm so grateful that I was able to even publish the book, especially just knowing my background and obviously knowing the type of girl I used to be and how my mindset was and how my thoughts were always just clouded with fear. Since I was like that, I feel I feel really proud that, alhamdulillah, I was able to put these pieces together and build the courage to publish them into a book. But yeah, I mean, the attention, it, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't so crazy that I was like struggling in life or anything, alhamdulillah. Um, but, but again, like, I'm very grateful for everything and I'm really happy for all the opportunities I've been given and for the future opportunities to come, um, inshallah. 40. When was art supposed to be useful slash the susceptibility of the arts and humanities 
the susceptibility of the arts and humanities to derision and the lie behind social slash digital media media's effect on this generation's mental well-being. Maybe it's because starting a podcast is more accessible and is relatively easier to do depending on your level of privilege than writing a 55,000 word book, for example. So maybe that's why more shade gets thrown at up-and-coming podcasters because it's seen as, oh, you're doing this because it's easy and you have a bunch of time on your hands and want to share your opinion that really no one asked for. Like, is that the reason? I feel just because something is more accessible to you and is easy for you to do it doesn't mean that what you produce thereby won't be helpful to someone right like for example the world of podcasting is big but i personally have only benefited severely benefited like (laughs) i don't know how else i would have gotten this information i personally have benefited from a handful of podcasts it's not as if the audience of the podcasting world it's not as if they listen to all of what is in the podcasting world right they're selective they gravitate towards what they need and what they want right it's sort of like that message you get in 39 generational wealth an alternate dimension It's an interesting one because um, we have uh, five very negative last door reviews. Uh, we have fired five people. There is direct correlation. Between them. <laughs> uh, if you survey our employees, they love what they do. They don't want to leave. Uh, we have 135 people. I think we have 18, 20 reviews on Glassdoor. Um, the first time we got a few negative ones in a row, but we had let two or three people go, we, you know, took it pretty seriously as an executive team, and we're like, wow. 38. Mama, I made it. Rejected three times, accepted the fourth, accepted the fourth. The journey of American trailblazer to Herman. The... problem Tahira faced was a number of people wouldn't hire her because she wears a headscarf and even one of her producers there was a time um, not at this current station I don't believe where he asked her if you were given the opportunity for your dream position and they said okay but you have to take off your hijab would you do it and her response to him was no i wouldn't and he basically he said well you're going to get a lot of no's is basically what his response was right 
And lo and behold, here she is today, a full-time mainstream TV news station reporter wearing hijab. So I guess he was wrong. And enjoy the show. Yes, she was really nice. And my parents, my boss, management at our company, they were all really hesitant at first when we got the invitation to come to New York. Uh, because obviously, like you said, you know, she had a reputation. She had a persona, Fox News. Thirty-seven, the irony of climate change and the isolation of unemployment with Mona, aka Journey of a Khalifa, but I didn't put that aka part in the title. A lot of adults or people will ask them, "What do you want to be when you're older?" And he was saying, "This is," and I didn't realize this, but basically he was saying, "This is such a toxic question to ask because you're putting such tremendous pressure on so." people who are so young and you're forcing them to define their life in terms of one parameter work. And so he was saying this is dangerous because what happens if you grow up and you get a job and it's not completely satisfying and then you think okay there's this is a problem that it's not completely satisfying because that's the way you define yourself even though it's fine for something to not be completely satisfying but then you think this is a problem I have to leave this field this like restlessness because you define yourself in terms of one parameter and it's like you put so much pressure on something that really by its nature is kind of unstable, right? Like work, it's kind of an unstable way to define yourself, right? Because one week your boss could be really like friendly and helpful. Another week you could get like a new employee who's like the worst human being you've ever met. Like that's not a great way like for people, I my, my, my opinion, right? To, to like, that's not a great uh a way to define yourself like in terms of work because it's like so at the behest of skype i have to interrupt this broadcast every 15 minutes at 15 minute intervals to remind you that the software used for this conversation is brought to you by Skype. Uh, I should also mention that Skivio seeks to undermine the status quo and render the pursuit of higher ed equitable for all. If it goes wrong, which it very easily can, then like you're lost and you feel this emotional, uh, I guess, pain from something that really shouldn't have been given that much value to begin with. Yeah. And I, I think that in we are brought up in a capitalist culture where work is at the center of the capitalist universe. And so you are kind of like employment determines your place within this capital kick cast where you're, either useful or not useful, part of the conversation, or irrelevant based on your employment status, and further, not just your employment status, but what kind of job you have. And I think that's completely antithetical to the belief that God created us uniquely, and as an important part of society, nobody's created irrelevant and 
and for no purpose. 36.5. It's not actually called 36.5. It just has no number. When you look, it's literally between 36 and 37. Sarah and Sahara interview your science minority. Why I started a podcast. And why my personality was such that I could go to either writing or science. This was recorded in 2018, but it's listed as May 6, 2019. Long story. And I just found that so remarkable. And so I guess my personality, I'm just someone who I like creativity, but I also like that creativity to have an impact. And so I think that's what attracted me to writing, because in writing, you can be creative, but you can also affect people's emotions and their minds through the way that you write and what you say. Right. And so that's what I think I already had that personality to like science. And so when I found this field, I was just, oh, I can be creative here because this is an unsolved problem. They don't know the algorithm yet. <laughs> you know, like, of course, it's an area for creativity. Let's fast forward to when I... 36. Hashtag she roars. Supreme Court justices. Sotomayor and Kagan. I tell a story in my book of my mother and I shopping for a rainbow. <laughs> and we were shopping in uh, the South Bronx, uh, most famous shopping area, and Alexander. Uh, for those of those uh, <laughs> not. <laughs> But uh, we were treated in such awe by the salespeople when I told them I was attending Princeton and just walked down my mother looked at me and said, What have you gotten us into? And I didn't know. I didn't really understand what it meant to talk to. 35. A panel of women entrepreneurs better than Coachella, part two. Uh, you know, we only talk about failure way after we've succeeded. That's like the only time it's okay to talk about failure is Elon Musk gets to talk about failure. Mark Zuckerberg gets to talk about failure. But as an early stage, not successful person yet, you're not allowed to talk about failure. And, you know, I, I had wanted to come to this panel. I, was, I had spent seven months preparing us to come to this panel, and I could say, like, yeah, we, we got our seed wrapped up. And I lined up that perfectly. And we have, you know, a lot of commitments. And then two days ago, my lead investor dropped out. Two days ago. And I'm like, oh, I've read about this in blogs. This happens to me. <laughs> but I can't, I can't tell anyone. Like, how do, what do I do? Because I didn't anticipate this. I worked really hard to get that. They approached us. They said they wanted to lead our round. Um, and... It is my fault because my job is to raise this round. That is my first job. And yet. Do, 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 do.